Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Today's episode, I'm going to focus on the topic, coping with private pain at school. We see teachers sometimes as superheroes, uh, invincible people that are just not normal. And the reason I say that we are seen as not normal because we have unrealistic expectations of teachers. I mean, we expect teachers to never take off work come in early before the school day starts, work their butt off throughout the school day, which I I agree any job you should work your butt off, and then stay really late and then come back and repeat that every single day of the school year and forget breaks, work during your break, work during the summer, maximize your time, be a great teacher. But that's not realistic. Teachers are regular human beings just like any other person, any other job or profession. And we have our own struggles. And many times teachers are dealing with private pain and they don't really know how to cope because of the pressures or the expectations that we put upon teachers. And so instead of taking care of themselves, they sit there and suffer. And I have been in those shoes. Many people know I struggle with infertility. I talk about it openly and I didn't always used to, but I have now for the last, I don't know, maybe four or five years. I've talked about it at my church. I've talked about it to people one-on-one. I've written about it um, for NEK 12, October 10th, 2017. I wrote an article called Mental Health Matters, not just for students, but for the teachers too, where I really delved into um, the pressures I was feeling dealing with my infertility. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. That was the private pain I was suffering through. And at times I was managing it well, and at other times I was not. And I want to talk about how you deal with that. I'm going to hit upon um, determining how much to share, the importance of finding an ally and a confidant, working towards a solution to your issue, taking mental health days, and believing that taking care of you is putting your students first. Because sometimes we have the misperception if you put yourself first, that means you're putting your students last. And I assert when we don't put ourselves first, when we don't take care of ourselves, we are actually doing more harm to our students because we are not the best educators we could be when we're not taking care of ourselves. So I married my husband. I've been married for 12 years. Um, almost immediately at the beginning of our marriage, that's when we discovered that I had some infertility issues. I've suffered with chronic pain since I was 13, and I've suffered um, with that from 13 to age 33. I'm currently 35, so uh, for the last two years, I've been pain-free, which has been great. I later learned that I had endometriosis, which was contributing to my chronic pain, and that's one of the of one of the causes for infertility. I also learned that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, which is uh, which people call PCOS for short. It's a hormonal imbalance, so that contributed to my infertility. And I also learned that I had fibroid tumors. Uh, one of the causes of my pain, in addition to the endometriosis, was the fact that I had a golf ball-sized fibro tumor that I had no clue about. They had no clue how long it was growing. It was pressing against my nerves. I had no clue. 
Um, once that was removed, it did alleviate some of my pain, but I still was dealing with pain with endometriosis, which when the um, lining of the uterus grows in other places, um, outside of the uterus, and growing your organs, and it can cause a lot of pain. I So once we learned all these things I had going on, I started to do what the doctor said. You know, we had to deal with these things. I had the tumor, the thyroid tumor removed. I had the endometrius removed. Um, they told me, you know, get it removed, Shantae. 10% chance it'll come back. <laughs> Hell, it came back with a vengeance. So I've had it removed twice <laughs> now. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, they put me on metformin to help me uh, manage my PCOS. Metformin is a drug commonly they give to people that have diabetes, but it helps people with PCOS. The PCOS community is split because some people think you should take metformin. Some people think you shouldn't. I've been on and off of it. Uh, you can use your diet to control it. But uh, once again, you know, you got to stick to that. And sometimes, even though I am a gardener, and you can check me out at Gardener Chicole. Uh, Chicole is S-H-I-C-O-L-E dot com to learn all about that. And even though I grow a lot of my own food, you know, sometimes you just want to eat some of the things you want to eat. So dealing with all those things, the first thing I tried to do was manage the physical physical symptoms. But a lot of times when we're dealing with issues, um, whether it be a physical issue or dealing with a conflict, you know, we may be dealing with divorce, we may be dealing with difficulty with children, we're, treat, we're dealing with the problem, but we're not dealing with the mental piece. And the mental piece was the piece I wasn't dealing with. When I first got my diagnosis, I was just like, I was working. I was literally going to my school at 7 a.m. in the morning and leaving around 6 or 7 p.m. That's what I was doing because instead of dealing with the fact that the doctor told me without any medical intervention, the only chance I would have my own biological children would be between a half percent and one percent. Instead of dealing with that diagnosis, I just worked my way through it. You know, the upside is at the time things were going well for me in the classroom because I was working, I was busting my butt, doing everything I could, but my marriage wasn't going so well. And so one of the things I had to do was step back and say, hey, you know, I'm avoiding this situation. I'm avoiding dealing with it because at this point I'm doing infertility treatments and they're failing. Um, so there's nothing like being a person like myself who gets, I, I am a, am an achiever. I like to, I feel like if I work hard enough, if I put in enough effort, I can achieve anything I put my mind to. That's the type of person I am. So to have something that it doesn't matter what medicine I take, what surgical procedure I've done, you know, what diet I've done. I even got a personal trainer. I was exercising and I hate exercising. Let me tell you how deep I hate exercising. Second day was my husband uh, at Purdue and he was running track. He's all like, let's go to the co-rec. Do have me up in there. I was like, I do. Mm-mm. So this is this is how bad I was, and I am so embarrassed to even say this. I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling this. So I looked around. You know, he was on the other side of the correct doing something. I was just like, I'm just gonna leave <laughs> and call him from the dorm and told him I wasn't feeling well because I'm like, I I am not here for the exercises. So once I thought he was somewhere he couldn't see me, I went to leave. Dude comes running over. Looking all fine, all and coming over nice and sweaty, and uh, have been working out. He's like, "What are you doing?" My face must have gave me away. He said, "Were you leaving?" And I couldn't even lie. So I was just like, "Look, uh, 
I, I don't like, I don't work out. I don't, I hate to work out. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. And this was our second date. The first date was not so great either because he took me to a zombie movie and I don't like movies about zombies. So this was like date two of two that went bad. But we've been married for 12 years, so it all worked out. So I even hired a personal trainer to exercise because they say, you, you know, the healthier you are, the better, you know, for the treatments. So I'm doing all these things. And when I first got my diagnosis, I um, shared it with some people at work. And so my first point, um, talking about determining how much to share, I have some regrets about that because I worked at a small school, so almost everybody knew about it. So every time I was going, you know, dealing with the situation, people wanted updates. So I'm teaching middle school, like during a five minute passing period, I don't necessarily want you to ask me how the, the pregnancy test went because at this point, all of them came back that I wasn't pregnant. So when someone asks and then I respond, then I got to go teach. And so that was just heavy on my brain. And so when I moved to another school while I was still seeking infertility treatments, I went the polar opposite. I didn't tell anybody anything, which <sighs> in retrospect, I wish I would have said something uh, to a few people. So you have to find a balance because you don't want a situation where everybody in the school knows your business and everybody feels like they're entitled to an update, especially when you're struggling with pain. Because sometimes at work, you're escaping wherever the situation is and have this brought up on the fly during the past period when you're on your way to the office, you don't want that to happen. So you have to find a balance, which leads me to my second point, find an ally and a confident, confidant. So with me... At the school I was at, when I didn't tell anybody anything, I got rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. And I thought I was having a miscarriage. So I found the infertility treatments finally worked. Found out I'm pregnant with twins. At this point, my doctor advised me to tell my boss. So I told the principal, assistant principals, I was rushed out. And I wasn't actually looking so well on top of that. So rumors started to spread in the school about what was happening with me. You know, I had people were saying I had cancer and, you know, that I was going to die. And then me being rushed out of the the building in the ambulance didn't help. So at that point, I did allow the principal to share that I was pregnant with twins. And then later, after I had my boys and I came back to work, I was still struggling because the endometriosis came back with a vengeance. So my chronic pain actually doubled. Um, And my boys weren't doing so well because they were born 10 weeks early. So they had all of these appointments and I, and I was teaching. I just kept, I just had the fear that something was going to happen to them all the time. Like it was almost an ir- irrational fear where I kept thinking, you know, because they told me, you know, you got to monitor their breathing. You got to make sure, you know, they don't get sick because they could, you know, it could harm their lungs because their lungs aren't as strong as other kids lungs. So I was always constantly worrying about this. And the one thing my husband and I did uh, we renewed our vows, which is one of the things we did to kind of help us get back on track. Uh, he asked me to not live at work. So I cut back my hours and with two babies at home, you kind of have to, that's like a non-negotiable. And then we did do a couple's therapy to work through some of the ways I was feeling because I was so busy using work as a place to hide that we weren't having conversations, which means I had no clue how he was feeling throughout this whole thing at all because I wasn't around enough to even hear his viewpoint. And so I wasn't dealing with the issues and I was just hiding at work. And so that was great, but at work I needed an ally because the pain was coming back. I mean, one day I showed up to work and we had homeroom in the morning. I was late, 
like they had to cover my they split my homework up class and someone's like what is going on with you and I I just got really upset I'm like just you know I'm here so finally I was just like I felt like this person was someone I could trust I told them about the endometriosis I told them about the pain I was dealing with which gave me an ally so when people were starting to say things or was oh you know you know there's some stuff going on with Shantae she's cool you know she'll have it together this person reminded me about things hey Shantae can I help you out with this so when you're struggling Sometimes you can't hold it together at work all the time. And I was getting to the point where it was getting hard for me to get up in the morning because the pain was so bad on some days. And dealing with my kids, they were doing physical therapy at the time. I really needed someone at work that I could either a vent to while I was at work because you spend most of your time at your job or see uh, or be someone who could advocate for me and see someone could help me out to help me through what was going on. Uh, I, three, you know, you need to work towards a solution to your problem. What people forget about infertility is that it's not always, it's not just about having the baby. I had, I had my boys, but I wanted to have more children. That's, so that was one thing. So after a couple years after I had my kids, we started up the infertility treatments again. And then the other thing is I had to deal with the medical conditions that contributed to my infertility because PCOS also can, um, mess with people's weight and make it hard for them to stay at a healthy weight and even though when people see me they they see me as a petite person i actually have to work hard to stay at that size because after i had my boys i had extreme difficulty getting weight off and that's when they said to me you're gonna have to manage a little bit better than you did before because you know everything's just kind of off with you after you having the boys and so I had to really work with that and then so I'm doing the infertility treatments and they keep failing so I have my twin boys and they keep failing and so for me and my pain kept getting worse because some of the medicine they were giving me to help me with my chronic pain some of the things I did I had an intermediate removed again um, there was evidence that it was back um, during some of the, the later infertility treatments I had and so I got to a point so on my 33rd birthday was the last pregnancy test I had and it did it came back to say I wasn't pregnant and I and so with infertility treatments when they work like somebody in the office calls you and tell you that you're pregnant when it doesn't work the infertility doctor calls you so when she called me and she said my dear and when she started off saying my dear I knew she was going to tell me and she was going to say I'm done. And it was so interesting because she was like, um, and she didn't give up. I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I said, and the, and the reason I decided to stop the infertility treatments on my 33rd birthday was something that one of my sons said, because what people didn't know, I would work th through work, come home and fix dinner and get into bed because it was that bad. And I was coaching teachers at the time. I even had a teacher that was coaching. She was older than me. Uh, probably by now, she's probably retired now. Cause last time I talked to her, she said she would be re retired by now. And she confronted me in the hallway because I couldn't. I was having difficulty getting up the steps. And she said, something's wrong with you. I sound good. And she got in front of me and blocked me. She said, Shantae, <laughs> something is wrong with you. And I want you to take care of yourself. And I was just, and the way she said it, it came across like mama bear, but I needed somebody to to call me out on the carpet because something was wrong with me. It was getting really bad. And so I said, I'm done. And my son said to me, he says, mommy, you don't play with us anymore. You're always tired. You always, you always are hurting. I wish you would get up. And I was so focused 
on having more kids that I was ignoring the kids that I already had in front of me. And the fact that I had two kids instead of one was a blessing. So I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So after that, I had a procedure done that permanently, <laughs> um, I didn't get a hysterectomy, but there's something else you can have done. Um, well, um, I had an ablation done, which is essentially getting your uterus fried. So that after I did that, it was the best thing I did because the chronic pain stopped. Uh, so I've been pain free for two years. I still have to take uh, medication um, to help me manage. But doing that, eating healthy, exercising has made me able to function, has made me be able to go out um, and run around in the yard with my boys get out and be more active even some of my, I'm an introvert so I don't go out as much but even some of my friends that I do go out with they're like you get out more now I say yeah it's easier to do things where you're not fighting through pain all the time so if you're having an issue whatever your issue is you have to work towards a solution because you're always going to be dealing with private pain if you don't fix the problem that you're facing or you don't work through the problem that you're facing the other thing is take mental health days when I was dealing with the situations I was dealing with at work and then dealing with the pressures of work and most of my career, I have chosen to work in schools that have been considered failing school because I believe that we need educators to go to those schools. So I'm in those schools. And so those are those are stressful environments. No lie. I mean, there's always get the data up, always manage your behavior, always want to implement this plan. There's always something. And so dealing with the pressures of working and struggling schools, dealing with the pressure of stuff was going on at home. Sometimes I just needed to stay home. And yes, I, there may be some principals listening, shaking their heads, but you can just shake them. It is better for a teacher to stay home, figure out a plan to deal with the issues that's going on so they can come back and be a better educator than to try to push through it. And I am telling you, going to work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. was not working. I wasn't dealing with the stuff that was going on with my head. I wasn't dealing with my physical health as well as I should have been because I was just focused on, I have to keep this job. I have to make my principal happy. I have to do better for the families. I have to keep this data up. That's, that's great. Like you, you should try to do all those things. You should want to do all those things, but it shouldn't be at the expense of yourself. So that's why I take mental health days. And now, I mean, right now there's nothing serious uh, going on in my life. But I've taken I've taken uh, I've taken a mental health day this year already. Uh, normally how I do it, if I have an appointment for something, I'll just take off the whole entire day instead of doing a half day. So that's kind of how I incorporate my mental health days in. So like I had um, I'm being monitored for glaucoma. So I get evaluations once or twice a year to monitor, to monitor what's going on. So when I had that done, I took off the whole entire day, which gave me a time just to kind of chill out, reflect. And I also. I get some anxiety around this appointment. I get some real anxiety because um, as a kid, my eyesight has progressively gotten worse. Um, if you ever see pictures of me, you and depending on how I turn, I've been getting better with the whole little selfie thing and trying to work my little glasses. But my glasses are thick. <laughs> so a lot of times I'll get these reflections or glares. And so uh, now there are people in my family uh, that uh, have and had glaucoma. And I have other risk factors to make me a high candidate. And me going, I, I see my data and, you know, I see where it's going. So I get nervous. And so I get a lot of anxiety around it. So normally when I have that appointment, I just call it a kind of mental health day because I take off the whole entire day. First of all, it helps me manage my anxiety around the appointment. Um, and it gives me a time to reflect on some other uh, things. 
The last thing I'll leave you with is you have to believe that taking care of you is putting your students first. And sometimes it's hard to go against the norm. You may be at a school where uh, people are there at the crack of dawn and people are there hours after the school is over. But you don't have to be that person. And, you don't, and it's OK to be that person sometimes. I'm, I'm not against coming to work early or staying after um, because I actually stayed at work an hour longer than I uh, had attended to. And I didn't feel bad about it because I don't do that all the time. Um, but you have to believe that taking care of you is putting your student first. There's nothing worse than you coming in all raggedy to work. You're struggling. You, you can't get it together. You have a lesson, but it wasn't playing well because you just had too much going on. You have to take care of you and taking care of you is finding a way to deal with whatever private issue you're going through, uh, figuring out how much you want to share, finding someone at work to help you out, taking time off to uh, fix what's going on and taking care of you don't ever let a principal make you feel like you can't take off or have them force you to, to um to cancel a day because the one thing um i will say that helped teachers really trust me when i was coaching i would back them up when they want to tell for a day and the principal was like i don't know why look i've been working with this teacher i've been with this person more than you like this, if this person needs to be off and I would never share with them what it was about, because a lot of they would tell me, I said, it is better for the teacher to take this day off and come back and be 100 percent than to have them here struggling um, like they already are. OK, and so you really have to advocate and stand up for yourself, because I've, I've heard people try to take off a day. Principal say something to them and then they'll take and then they will come in instead. No, don't do that. Take care of yourself. So hopefully there are some things I've shared here today um, that you find helpful. I mean, it's life. Stuff happens. Stuff happens that we don't want to happen. And life sucks sometimes. And teachers have things that happen that sucks. <laughs> uh, teachers get divorced. They're dealing with, uh, you know, like me, infertility, They're dealing with physical ailments. Depending on your age, you may be dealing with parents that are aging and they're having issues. Or you're, you have kids and your kids are having some difficulties or you may be having difficulties with siblings. There are so many natural things that come up in life. But when you are as a teacher, try to deal with and manage those things it is frowned upon to take care of yourself because you get you get told things like, well, you don't care about your students or like I was told one time, I need you to focus on our kids instead of your kids. Um, and <laughs> if you want to retain someone at a job, you probably shouldn't tell them that. <laughs> So um, hopefully it was helpful um, and uh, have any comments for me, just drop them in the comment section, uh, follow the podcast, write a review, hit me on Twitter and Instagram at Educator Barnes and hashtag it Brazen Ed. Catch you on the next episode.